Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CEO Cheat Sheet Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest, Katya, who runs multiple companies. Namely, she is founder of Soap Agency. She is uh, also co-founded um, Skipple, which can be described as car next door for yachts. And recently, she also acquired e-commerce fashion business. So there is a lot of great accolades, in my opinion. We're going to focus on agency business, as I believe it's the main one. Hello, Katya. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Kind of busy, but uh, yeah, thanks for asking. I'm really delighted to have such diverse and deep experience in many businesses. I wish I could uh, grow something like that and, and, and continue acquiring uh, new businesses uh, as we go. How did you start with running the soap agency? And now apparently you own three businesses. Yeah, so I started working in marketing agencies straight out of uni. I went into an agency doing paid search and then um, moved to another agency and I was predominantly working with big companies. So I worked with Hyundai, American Express, I uh, worked with some government organizations and at some point I decided, you know what, I want to see if I can do it myself, take a bit of a sidestep and focus on marketing but also do certain things a bit different to what big mainstream agencies do in July 2019, I decided to to go out on my own. Little did I know that nine months later, I was going to have COVID. <laughs> wow. Well, COVID started in 2019. So nine months into the business, that was COVID. But really, COVID was a little bit of a, an issue at the beginning because a lot of brands were putting their marketing spends on hold and didn't want to do marketing because they didn't know what was happening in the in the environment. But after a while, it was fine. And uh, now we, we went from a team of one, which was me, and doing freelancing to a team of 13, I think now, based in Sydney. And at some point, I saw another gap in the market, which was in boating. I got a boat license and I really wanted to take out a boat myself and found out that there was no such thing as just a platform where you can rent boats to drive yourself. So at one point I was sitting down with a friend of mine and she actually came up with this idea. I was like, oh, this is an awesome idea. I have this exact problem. Let's start a business and uh, see where it goes. Uh, so that's how Skipple started. And the third one, I think I'm just a sucker. <laughs> it's a definitely a, a very different industry to the, to the technology and marketing. Although there are some, I guess, similarities with marketing because uh, a lot of it is marketing. But yeah, it's it's something different because I've been I've been working in digital marketing and agency land for over ten years now, and wanted to learn something different. And fashion is definitely different. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm surprised how harshly business started like COVID and what you shared about the marketing struggles for business, which are efficiently impeding the operations. And then you have like two more businesses right after that and flourishing 13 team members, business operating on its own. Uh, we'll get to that point about autonomy, but I believe uh, you did really great if you had enough time, passion and energy to start other business. And about the yachts, it, it seems like something you love to do, right? Like it's, it's just naturally come along with a opportunity to feed that because I didn't see in Sydney much of similar businesses, to be honest. No, no, there isn't. 
I think it's partially due to the government and the restrictions and regulations that the government applies. But yeah, hopefully we'll see more of it and democratize that industry a little bit because at the moment, if you want it, we have beautiful harbour here in Sydney and we've got plenty of boats sitting there doing nothing. And plenty of people wanting to be out on a on a nice day in the water, but they can't afford to spend thousands of dollars doing it. So this is a platform that gives them the opportunity to to do that. I absolutely love that. I wanted to go yacht on my birthday. I think I didn't bring it up to, to try the skipper which was available by that date, but I messed with my uh, charts and schedules and uh, I'm really waiting for warm weather to try it out. So definitely great that we have you here in Sydney. <laughs> I'll have to take you out one day when, when the weather is better. I'll be your skipper for the day. Awesome. I'm noted it and saved. <laughs> cool. All right. So finally, the e-commerce, it's also for me a brand new stuff. I have no idea how it operates. My assumption is just basically like um, online store, but I'm probably really wrong because there's a lot of things going behind that. So you find it like completely different, but there are still some uncommon traits. Is that what you mean to, to compare them to the agency? Mm. So I guess it, there are some similarities to an agency, but a lot of differences and probably more differences than similarities. Uh, with the e-commerce business, we manufacture, we design and manufacture everything ourselves. And then we sell it at the moment via the online store. With the agency, you do have the staff and you kind of have to, you sell your time, right, with the agency. Whereas with the, with the fashion business, you're selling a product. And a product is slightly different when it comes to how you're marketing it, how you're positioning it. But also just from financial perspective, that timeline, it takes about two or three months to actually get the product into market and then finding ways and how that kind of flows through to make sure that you are getting the product on the right time to what the market needs, which sometimes is a little bit tricky because you're working months and months in ahead. So at the moment, we are just finalizing the summer collection and we're still in winter. <laughs> yeah, that seems like you got a plan way ahead of time. And huh, yeah, that's that's interesting. But I believe that your marketing experience will help you a lot with this journey because now, now you're kind of hybrid owner here because I don't believe many e-commerce business owners has such great uh, expertise when they started. So hopefully this will work as an advantage for your business there. That's interesting. And do you have sort of differentiation between your personal goals while you're running all of these amazing businesses and business goals like business and personal goals? Yeah, I think for me, it was really important when I started the business to have freedom. Working in corporate and pre-COVID, it was very much five days a week in the office. There was no other option apart from that. And also working in an agency, you're almost always expected to work over time. So Sometimes I would find myself in the office at 11 o'clock at night and I would come in at seven. So very long hours, very rigid work environment. And so when I started the business, I really wanted to have that freedom, freedom to be able to travel, freedom to be able to spend more time with my family, freedom to give more time to my health and fitness. And, you know, if it's a nice day outside, be able to go and just enjoy the day for an hour or two and not answer to anybody. 
So I think for me personally, freedom has been a big one, but also doing something that that is good and that um, is progressive and is helping the community and people around us. Often I found that I, when I was working for the big agencies, I found a lot of small to medium-sized businesses engaging with agencies or doing things where wasn't really best practice or was kind of outdated in terms of marketing strategies. So I wanted to also come in and have that kind of big agency experience, but for smaller brands and be able to advise not only from give advice based on what we think is best for the client and not what we think is best for the cash flow or the 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 agency making money. So always putting the customer first, even sometimes if it means us saying, look, we, we don't think we're the right fit for you or we don't think we, we, we're the right agency here. And from other businesses, it's kind of similar story. How can we provide value to the customer? What is there in the market that is inefficient? Where's the demand and how, how can we help people? Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing these details. I start to hear the pattern here that ethical and conscious component when you deal in the business is one of the success formulas. Surprisingly, I like when I uh, looking for some providers, it's not always present, but definitely one of the most important aspects. And having the freedom probably also gives some opportunities to look freshly on the same problems. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> Working under the pressure in the beginning, I think it's inevitable, especially in agency business. When you've been describing that, I was actually uh, carried away by like recalling the time I was doing that. And like, you, you can't say no. <laughs> but uh, later on the road, as you grow the team, probably you can start distribute this load, right? And this is actually moves us to the next question about what you love and hate most of the, the business. Like what would be these extremes here? I, I think uh, what you love is about the freedom the ability to, that you already mentioned, just skip a few hours and breathe the fresh air is one of the things, but maybe there's something else as well. Yeah, I love my team. I think my team is like my family. I always I say that a lot and it's kind of actually one of our values that we have in the agency. It's awesome. We've got a really good culture and really good team and it's a pleasure to come to work and spend time with them. And I love seeing them grow and develop. Some of the guys have been with me for two years now. Yeah, it's awesome to see someone developing, progressing and kind of stepping into professional in their own right and seeing them grow. It's been, it's really rewarding. So I love that. I love also the fact that being the owner and not having any kind of anyone above or any kind of politics or things like that. If you really want to try something, you just do it. It's like, okay, let's see if this works or this new process works, or maybe we want to test new technology or we want to integrate certain things. And you don't have to get anyone's approval or wait for, you know, the board to kind of let you go ahead with it. You can just, let's start tomorrow, let's test it and see how it goes. So I think that's that's been really cool about running the agency of my own. You sound such as like a dream CEO. You probably, I bet, has have this cap called for best CEO because you <laughs> allow uh people realize and sell like experiments. It's amazing. I mean, I wish everyone who's running the company had the same attitude because most of the time it's about the policies. I also like have an interesting question, like extra thing. Uh, this guy that you mentioned, you helped grow over the time. Did you feel like, um, I don't know, coaching him? I don't know, feeling some responsibility um, beyond just, you know, um, employer-employee relationship? Uh, yeah, so um, the first 
person that kind of started with me, it's a girl. She started straight out of uni and she actually didn't even study marketing. She started, I believe, arts, although her brain is definitely wide in the in the marketing space. And yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see her grow and develop over the last two years into a professional, someone who is amazing at what she does um, and dedicates herself to improving her knowledge every day and staying on top of all the trends and yeah, it's been it's been amazing to to see that and to be there and kind of coach her through through that journey. Yeah, and the loyalty of two years. This is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm rarely seeing this in industry. Well, at least in software development aspect, people are like cats, no strings attached. So this is this is nice when you have someone who is working here for a long time. By the way, uh, I, I've been inspired by Warren Buffett's uh, policy. He has employees who work with him for more than 25 years. I think I read this in a book called Unconventional CEOs. So that's pretty cool to see this pattern in the real life. What do you hate the most uh, when it comes to running the business? I think some some of these things are like inevitable and you just plan for them. And then if your expectation is that this is going to happen at some like on certain basis, then it's like, it's fine. Probably for me, I have, and we were just talking about it before, I have some days or some weeks where you're just extremely busy. So having back-to-back meetings all day is not fun. <laughs> I think it's not, not that it's not fun, but at the end of the day, you feel exhausted because you constantly... Uh, speaking constantly engaged in the conversation but then you've got nothing tangible to show for it so you you finish your day and you've been working really hard but then it's like okay I've got 50 emails in my inbox that have piled up and you feel like you haven't really done anything with your day it's like what what did I do so maybe that's a negative but I don't know I feel like with business it's you've got some really good days some days and you've got some bad days and I feel like that's normal and I think that most people, I would say everyone probably has those days where they're like, oh, today just wasn't that great. Well, that's a pretty resilient position. And yeah, I do absolutely agree that if there is no adverse events in, the, in, in any business, then it's super boring. I uh, probably would, wouldn't stand this out. No challenges, no fun. <laughs> so yeah, I got it. Well, that's cool. Let's move on. Uh, I have some kind of more personal question, like about your CEO daily lifestyle. For example, some people are doing some rituals, like doing gym every morning. Someone's doing walks, like less physical, maybe meditating or doing yoga. Can you share some of your, I don't know, <laughs> rituals or daily activities that helps you, you know, drive uh, this machine? Yeah, I haven't been that good, to be honest with you, with my daily rituals. I probably need to improve on that for sure. I used to go to the gym. So my, I was better before. I used to wake up at 4.35 a.m. and then go to the gym in the morning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like maybe four days, four days, five days a week that I used to do that. But at the moment, I, last year I broke my leg and after that I've had a very long recovery process. That Sorry to hear that. I'm just starting to get back into it, but it's really hard to get back into it once you've been out of it for so long. But a weekly ritual that I have is I take my Saturday completely off. 
So I switch off my phone, switch off my laptop. I don't do anything. I just spend time at home, go in the nature, go for a walk, read a book. So it's like complete 24 hours that you switch off from all technology and just let your body relax and actually have the weekend off. Because sometimes we find ourselves that we have these really busy days where it's full on. Then it gets to the weekend and you're like, oh, I'm going to relax. But then you, you have lunch with a friend, then you have something else and you have something else. And then Sunday afternoon, you're like, oh, I need another weekend. I'm exhausted. So I found that it has been helpful to just have one day of the weekend where you completely dedicate to rest. These are the words of wisdom. Uh, the way uh, you describe that, I'm just questioning right now myself why you don't do that. Because every time I do some relax, it's not actually relax. And especially digital detox component. I think everyone who is in the business working, I don't know, five days a week in front of laptop or smartphone, definitely needs that. And yeah, I mean, probably need to make an offer myself. I'm going to rewatch this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I, I really, I really always postpone in this. This is so important. In 24 hours, nothing's going to, nothing's going to break. And I've been doing it for a long time now. All my friends, all my family, they all know like that I don't, I'm not available. Uh, if you want to reach me, you have to come and knock on my house or you have to make an appointment with me before because you can't call me. That's really inspiring. I, I like how it sounds. I just I just need to focus on that. That's probably the way to restore some health in this way of world that you constantly keep some information in your head. This is, yeah, this is cool. So listen to this. I mean, this is something that I would definitely pick it up and I need to work it out. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing this. We are ready to go into a sort of main section. I want to talk a little bit about how you operate your agency business, Soap Agency. We have a structure when we come naturally from client engagement, work execution, you know, reporting, accounting, invoice and payments down to questions like autonomy. So our listeners can get an opportunity to understand how you run that stuff, maybe copy paste something. So uh, be careful on what you're sharing. <laughs> Hopefully no intellectual property involved, but it might be also be helpful for others to take it into a perspective. So by starting with the client engagement, the thing I have here is quote generation and starting of the work. So can you share please how do you do that in Soup Agency? So we use for quotes, we use a tool called PandaDoc which is something similar to DocuSign. And so all the contracts, quotes, etc., they're all digital. So someone from the agency and the client can co-sign and then, yeah, that's basically how it works. And then from invoicing perspective, we use Xero, which is very easy. Most accountants know how to use it. So you basically estimate some work from the template, put it into Panda Docs, get it signed, and then appoint someone to pick it and create invoice in Zero. It sounds like a pretty easy, straightforward process. I'm curious, like, whether in the digital marketing agency business, the scope of work is relatively the same from client to client or can be like completely different? It's mostly completely different client to client. So you may do similar things, but then one client needs more time or more assets or some clients want weekly whips and weekly reporting, whereas others want monthly or, um, yeah, so it's quite unique to the client. And even sometimes um, things change. So you may be doing something for one client and then the next month something changes and your scope of work changes with that. So it's not necessarily even that every month is the same for each client. 
Got it. And the estimation process of this work, does it also happen in the Panda doc or do you use anything else? How do you answer the question to the client? Like, okay, I like what you guys offer. What is it going to cost me in money and when, when I will have this delivery? We cost based on hours. So it just depends on how long it's going to take us to do something. So either myself or the account manager um, will work out how many hours we need based on the project and then that goes into PandaDog. So there is a person who is working this out. Clear. And when it comes to the actual work execution, you definitely, I believe, track some progress somewhere. Um, what tool do you use for that? So we use Productive, which is something similar, I guess, to an Asana, where all the tasks sit in there. We communicate as a team in Productive as well. And then we track the progress through that tool also. Oh, that's awesome. So like once the project is signed, you know, you know, the, the payment is secure to just kick off someone to put these tasks that discussed in the productive and you just naturally track the progress over there, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like when it comes to slowly into the section of reporting and communication, do you communicate with clients inside this product or do you use some other channels? So with clients, it depends on the client sometimes. We use emails, probably for most clients. We do have quite a few clients on Slack. So we use Slack a lot internally for internal communication. But then some of our clients have Slack as well. So we found it actually really useful to create joint teams on Slack between us and client. So in that case, we'll communicate on Slack. And then we actually have some clients that prefer to be contacted on WhatsApp, especially overseas clients because it's easier in, in like time zones and stuff. That's rare though. Most, most things are done on email. And does it create any challenge to your team and your experience when it comes to these different channels of communications? I don't think so. I think it's I think it's been pretty good. Again, it's like it, we just work on what is the requirement of the client and what the client needs at the time. Hmm. It seems like you guys have a really good planning and it seems like most of the time you have like executing along this plan with not much surprises along the roads. Maybe I'm missing something, but it sounds like really as a dream workflow, you know, from my experience, why I'm writing this concern, like we use Slack, we use like email, we use some other tools, WhatsApp included. And the problem was like, when someone says something, we, we got to like, oh my God, where it was. And if the channel is overblown with messages, it becomes a real deal. And we can't easily like get the answer, wasting time, you know, especially if several people involved for the same task. It seems like we have a more streamlined process in regards to our communication. I'm curious, how do you report that? If you don't invite a client to the tool that is displaying the progress, which you use internally, how do you report to the client about, you know, anything in regards to the project? So we'll have a, like a project document with the clients where it says like, this is what we're doing by when, this is what the client is doing by when. And usually with most clients, we have like a weekly or fortnightly whip where we go through everything that should eliminate a lot of the emails and kind of back and forth questions. Anything that kind of you need a discussion or conversation kind of goes into the whip meeting for that week or that fortnight. And then that has all the action items. In that document that has the WIP project, we also have, depending on the client, we'll have, so, say it's a, if it's a social client and we're getting the ads approved, all of that sits in one document. So then the client can leave comments. So if we put something together, we send it to the client for approval. The client can just write in comments what they want changed where. 
So it all sits in one document. So again, like it eliminates the the use of emails as much as possible. That's very smart. So you use like to like Google Doc, you centralize the communication and the actual progress to one tool. So it becomes collaborative play. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, you don't you don't need to rely on the email then. Like if you want to change something or if you want to ask, they they just go there. That sounds really cool. I have a tricky question in regards to the reporting and the data, I mean, reporting transparency. But this, this tools and this workflow seems to be a very strong uh, solution. Do you forecast, uh, for example, in the future for, I don't know, one month ahead, like, do you have enough stuff to run the business? Do you need to hire or do you need to put someone on a bench like this, you know, balancing thing? So all of our staff are full-time. Yes, we need to look at the capacity of the of the team. And sometimes it's also, whilst if you look at the month, you see, okay, well, this person is fine in terms of capacity. You may have projects or campaigns that drop in a specific time of that month that then make it really tricky for that staff member to get all of their work done. So that's something that we do look at ahead of time. And if needed, we'll pull team members to support that staff member. Because yeah, sometimes like say, for example, at the moment, we've got after payday coming up next week. So in a lead up to that and that week, the team is going to be super, super busy. So it's additional workload that you need. But then at the same time, if you're looking at as an average over the month, it may be fine, but it's not not the same, right? So it's sometimes tricky planning time in the context of four weeks or 170 hours. You sometimes actually have to drill down and look at it more on like what campaigns which clients have and then do we need more time in those specific periods. No, that's interesting details. And does productive uh, help you around this task or use like Google spreadsheets, you know, when you need to do this calc? Yeah, we can use productive and sometimes we do because it you can add the hours that you project for certain task or certain project to take. It's also sometimes more of getting together as a team and being like, oh, who's got what on and what what's coming up? Because sometimes we don't even know in advance. Sometimes a client just drops something on us and they're like, oh, we've got this campaign starting next week. Can you guys help? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You can plan as much as possible, but then sometimes it's also like you need to kind of be a little bit dynamic in in what you're doing. Yeah, that's interesting. I just constantly start to see workload becoming one of the main challenges. When when the business starts operation well, it, it becomes like never-ending source of issues and, and, and different companies come with different solutions. I got it. So yeah, you, you it seems like you guys still ready for for any surprise this that means to me a sign of maturity when it comes to invoice and payments you mentioned the zero i'm curious like do you guys do like upfront payments or post payments because you mentioned uh, briefly about the payday i think any agency in the world face this issue and that's why i was mentioning previously that what i hate is like when the client delay the payment especially for the big one the payday is coming like it's going to be responsible in the end right like if you pay your own money you put your money at risk uh, which is probably fair at some point to your teammates, but kind of dil- dilemma. <laughs> so as an agency, we don't do prepayments really. And the reason why, and it's I think a little bit uncommon, I think most agencies actually do pre-build. The reason why we don't do it is because you have to do reconciliation at the end of the month. With the agency, things change what you thought you were going to deliver in the given month maybe less or more than what you than what you actually did at the end of the month so it creates a administration headache 
to then reconcile everything and then give the client reconciliation. And then you may have queries from the client, which creates emails. It's a bit of a headache. So whilst it's not the best solution, because from cash flow perspective, it is tricky because so what we do is we bill a month in arrears. So we do the work and the month, let's say in July, we do the work in July, but we bill in September for July. Wow. Yeah. It's tricky from cash flow perspective, but then at the same time, it's very smooth from administrative perspective because you you know exactly what you did and then you bill for exactly what you did. And it's also peace of mind for the client that they only pay for what has been delivered to them rather than paying upfront. Yeah, to me, it sounds like really risky. I mean, I couldn't afford that, but it definitely means like you, you got to have some buffer for that to make it run smoothly over the time to cover uh, the paydays because the salaries goes uh, like on the, on the regular basis. That's interesting. I think the more, the more I talk uh, to different businesses, digital marketing agency still remain the mystery to me in some uh, aspects. And this is one of it. <laughs> good, good for your clients. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, paying when you receive something, I think this is a proper way to do. If there are only no case such as late payments, I would probably do that as well. <laughs> So when it comes to accountability and data transparency, uh, this subject about like having a full grip and good control over understanding how well is performing uh, the company, do, do you use also productive uh, for this tool? Like, does it tell you, hey, this is your, I don't know, current month net income, or this is a past month net income, take into account all the expenses, you know, like revenue uh, minus expenses in one place? We have everything in zero. So you would just run the zero report in terms of the revenue and expenses for the month. Mm -hmm. So it's just a classic PL. I got it. And uh, do you do any kind of like, I don't know, sync apps or like timesheets uh, review all with the team to make sure everything runs smoothly and clean or just completely try them? No. So we've got time tracking on productive, which is something that we do use because we want to see that we give the right amount of time to the client based on the project. So we don't want to under deliver in terms of hours and we obviously don't want to over deliver. So we track the hours from that perspective, more from the making sure that it's on target but then we don't actually use that in any of our financial calculations or things like that. Well, that seems like productive is pretty efficient tool. And uh, <laughs> compared to my own product, it, it seems like a really great scenario. If only it would exist that long ago and cover some other extra operations, I would say it's just a perfect tool for agency. Finally, I have this autonomy question. It's more like more abstract, more high level challenge that I think many business owners face. And given the fact that you were able to save some time to co-found Skipple and purchase and run e-commerce fashion business, how do you position yourself in terms of business autonomy? Like how well it can operate without you? How confidently, I don't know, you can go on sabbatical or a long vacation anytime? I'm getting there. I think so. The, the business is four years old now. We had four year birthday last month. So it's getting to a point where it runs itself or it's run, almost running itself. I, I'm still very much involved in a lot of things, but if I did need to take t some time off or want to go on a holiday, et cetera, pretty confident that the team could handle it. And there's processes and procedures for everything. And it's basically same as any other staff member, me handing over my work to, to the team. It's, and it's comfy state, you could say, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still busy. <laughs> But I think I'm like one of those people that 
feels uncomfortable when they are not busy. If I'm not busy, I'm like, something's wrong. <laughs> but if I needed to be not busy, I'm sure that I, I can give the workout and it'll be fine. Yeah, I understand that. So potentially if you if you even make the soup agency working 100% autonomously without you involved, you definitely get yourself busy without the business, maybe acquire a new venture along the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly if i have too much time i'll probably go start something else yeah i love that that's that that displays a lot of energy and inspiration that's cool but uh, would you would you want that i mean if if you dream for a second would would you want to have soup agency operate on your on its own and you just being able to focus somewhere else or you still want to be part of it still enjoying what you do like what makes you busy there I still definitely want to be part of it. It's kind of like my baby. So I still definitely want to be part of it. But I do, my kind of thinking is that I want to see what other kind of businesses and industries I can find where there is that element of inefficiency or how can we do things differently or better. But then using the resources and the knowledge of the agency to support the marketing side and the agency also has access to legal, accounting, all the things that a business kind of any business needs. So having access to those resources and putting them into another company is quite useful. And then I still work it in soup, but try new things as well. I love how it sounds, you know, like, you know, marketing side of the business. So you are pretty well equipped with the knowledge how to drive and navigate the customer acquisition process, right? And now you take this knowledge. So would you say it's much easier for you to start a new business or acquire a new business having this launch pot? I think in some ways, yes, because you know what it takes, how much money it takes. I find a lot of times when people start businesses, if they haven't done it before they and they're not from a marketing background, it's difficult for them to understand how much money actually involves in getting the business off the ground properly. So from that perspective, it's useful, but every business is different. And also entering new industry, you have to learn things that you didn't even know existed. I'm learning a lot at the moment in, in fashion and design. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's good. And I think it's also good from super agency team perspective that they work in an agency, but they also have like in-house brands, if you want to call it. Because when we work on clients' brands, the end of the day, like you can recommend anything, but then it's still the final word is with the client. Whereas here with Embody or Skipple, for example, the final person is me. So if we think something is a good idea, we want to test it. We can just test it on, on Embody or test it on Skipple or test it on another business and not necessarily have to sell it to somebody. So it's it's awesome from that perspective as well that you can move really quickly if you see something that is working really well or some new technology that just came into the market and you, you don't have that set of approval so you need to get from the client. You can just run with it. I like this positive perspective. It reflected me the way how I started WorkClear, but I, I take it negative. That's probably my thing. And I would say problematic. So anytime I see my sales struggle or any struggle, I start to say uh, to to my team and myself, well, after all, WorkLayer wasn't born out of the need as a product itself. We tried things out there, sandboxed it. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of self-defense, if I would say, position. But on another hand, from the positive perspective, it actually helped develop some other operations because we had this opportunity to test things out. It's, it's a fresh look on things. I, I like this optimistic uh, view. <laughs> 
All right. So that's pretty, it seems like you're, you're running the business uh, and it's core uh, thing like very smoothly. Do you have like any tips and tricks you would want to share on top of that we already discussed when it comes to running the business? I think the biggest one would be making sure you give enough time to think things through operationally. And sometimes you need to plan things way ahead of you needing them. So some operational side of things, you may need to plan three months, six months in advance and then have enough time to actually test them, implement them, make sure that the team uses it and actually that's integrated into the business. And for that, you need time. So I think a lot of the times we as business owners are really much in the day-to-day implementing and doing things for the clients and in the business, but it's really important for us to actually have that time out of the business and be able to plan, look at what's happening in the industry, what's happening inside of the business. How do you ensure that as the business grows, the processes and the procedures and the tools and software that you have grows with the business and I think for that you you do need that time so that's what I would say I think the other thing for me which I didn't realize the importance of it as much as I do now but hiring an operational manager or someone in operations so one of the first employees that I hired was operational manager who turns out is my sister and she is amazing and uh, she Literally, I don't know what I would do without her because a lot of the things that I just wouldn't be able to operate because she takes on a lot of the work that no one else in the team would be doing. Some some work, you have to have the GM or someone like the owner or operational managers do. And if you don't have the operational manager, it just gets sits with you as the business owner. So having that person actually free some of your time and also ensures that things that need to get done, get done, and it's not stuck with you and you're too busy for for doing it. So I think that's probably the biggest tip that, yeah, I highly recommend finding someone, even if you don't need them full-time, maybe getting them two days a week to, to help you on on administration and internal processes. Yeah, I totally agree. Operation takes a lion's share of, uh, of any business operations and agency especially. You're blessed to have such a great sister and it's very convenient. She can't say probably no and can take uh, anything that is needed to be done. This is cool. She's going on holidays at the moment for three weeks to Europe and I'm like, no, what am I going to do without her? Yeah. <laughs> Well, at this moment, I think you realize how valuable your contribution is. This is what I had with, with my operation. I, I totally reflect with you. Like the day I hired, we call her position a chief operation officer. When she took off the operational load from me, this is when I found in a similar position as you did. When it comes to free time, I don't know what to do with that. I started getting myself busy with other things. Yeah, <laughs> getting back my to my normal. But it's exactly what you probably need to grow. And as you mentioned, with all these cool core cheat sheet uh, components we have covered, it's essential to have discipline. I mean, I'm trying to do a recap. Like discipline, patience, and uh, allow enough time to create everything meticulously, you know, probably document so it works smoothly because you got to hire people, right? So they need to pick it up and do not, uh, do not get struggle for, for their teammates or for themselves. That makes total sense. Can you tell us something that is not on the link page, uh, but you are keen to share with the listeners? Well, you'll find this funny. So kind of the first little business venture that I that I started was back in Ukraine and I was about 10. Me and my sister used to, <laughs> used to uh, yeah, the entrepreneurial spirit that I am, 
me and my sister used to go buy alcohol and then resell that alcohol to the workers that were working on our house. What? And then with a with a profit, we would go and buy lollies. <laughs> That's amazing. I think I probably should put a caption to this video, running the businesses since 10. <laughs> <laughs> that would be powerful, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And I, I really appreciate your time sharing all this experience you have and tips and tricks that might help uh, any listener to copy paste. I mean, I'm absolutely amazed how powerful Productive Solution is. And so far doing some interviews, I didn't find people searching for such integrity in one tool. And I, I see this as a thing. It becomes more widely adopted and something that people probably need to use to grow. Finally, I just wanted to ask about what's the best way for anyone to contact you like, or to find you? Maybe someone would need your digital marketing agency services. Like, What's the best way to, to reach you out? Yeah, so if you go to the website, it's superagency.com.au and then just fill in the form and we'll be in touch. Sounds great. So SOUP is S-O-U-P, right? S-O-U-P. Thank you very much for your time, Katya. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. I'm, I'm absolutely amazed to have you as, as my guest to this podcast. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to, to seeing it. Yeah.